Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast and YouTube channel. Today, we're going to be talking about a few topics. First off, we're going to talk about Jeff Wilson Jr. and his torn meniscus and kind of the impacts of that industry. Then we're going to talk about some D.D. Westbrook rumors. And then finally, we're going to end off the episode talking about Richard Sherman and just, you know, the the fit in San Francisco and whether or not we're, we're for or against it. I don't know Aiden how, how Aiden feels about it yet. I'm kind of up in the air, but we're going to make sure to recap with or finish off with that segment. Um, so with that said, let's get started. Let's talk about Jeff Wilson Jr. He tore his meniscus, is expected to be out from for four to six months. Um, not the most serious knee injury, but nevertheless, it's still a, a, a knee injury and a torn ligament in his knee. So first off, I want to say I feel terrible for Jeff Wilson Jr. Not only did he kind of end last season with definitely the best season of his NFL career, 10, 10 touchdowns. And then, you know, it looks like he's going to have some some more a higher workload this year than the 49ers go out, draft two rookie running backs, sign Wayne Gallman in like the span of a week or so. And now he goes down with the torn meniscus. So I really feel for Jeff Wilson. Um, I thought this was a year where he could produce a lot and maybe get a bigger deal somewhere else. I think that's a lot less likely, unfortunately, to him. But what are just your thoughts for, for Jeff Wilson himself? Yeah, um, obviously – wouldn't wish this upon anyone obviously do not want anyone to undergo a, a major knee injury like that i guess kind of in a 49er sense it probably happened before the draft i'm i'm assuming kyle and and john knew about it which is why they they drafted two running backs and signed a guy like wayne gallman um and it's definitely stock up for wayne gallman and also jermichael hasty i think both of those guys who we're probably outside looking in to make the roster now we'll have two guys fighting for one spot. Um, at least until Jeff Wilson comes back, I think maybe hasty makes the roster just cause he can move down to the practice squad after, um, after Jeff Wilson comes back, but it could end up being great for the 49ers next year. Um, given that if Wilson isn't able to come back and isn't a hundred percent, he'd be a great cheap third running back for, for, next year even so could end up being a positive for him just kind of hard to project right now but he was primed for a big year uh and definitely not something that you love to see yeah and especially like kind of i like that you bring up that he could be brought back for another year um and and, and the way i kind of like looked at it was like oh man he missed out on like his final year of producing in san francisco but you bring that up. I mean, most are not. Most are just not going to be on the team next year, most likely. At least his contract will be up. So you kind of start looking at it. Maybe there's a chance that he does come back. So maybe I'm off on that. But but definitely a, something to bring up is that he could potentially come back for a lot cheaper deal. Unfortunately for him, it's much more likely to be a lot cheaper just because he's not going to have that production this year, or or shouldn't expect to. I mean, you know, maybe he goes on a, a late season surge and kind of gets some excitement going. But uh, what about for the rest of the, these running backs? How do you think it kind of affects them? I know you you mentioned Hasty and Gallman that it, it helps their chances of making the roster, but what about the rookies? Do you think that this allows them to produce a lot more uh, year one? Yeah, um, I think Sermon and Wilson would have would have been uh, kind of in in that battle to be the between the tackles guy. Uh, Sermon pretty much locks locks that up. So I think maybe stock up for him as as well uh don't really see it touching mostert or um mitchell because like we've talked about before i think shanahan has two separate models in his mind but super super interesting and i mean definitely helps the rookies get some more touches but i don't think completely 
changes anything for the Niners offense. Yeah, it's definitely not some some move that's going to completely alter their season or, or hurt their season a lot. Um, I, I think that for Sermon, I think that we should expect Sermon to see a lot more touches. I personally think that Sermon's going to end up leading the 49ers backs in touches, and we all know that that could go about four different ways. I mean, who knows? Maybe Wayne Gallman will, will lead the team in touches. I, I hope that's not the case, but the way that we've seen in the past, so many guys can end up being there. 2019 had Coleman and Mostert there. I don't think it's really going to affect Mostert that much, and I don't think it's going to affect Mitchell that much either. I think that they're kind of, like you said, it's kind of like that mold of like the smaller, faster running back, and then you have this other guy, a Tevin Coleman, a Jeff Wilson, that kind of mold, um, and that's where Sermon will play. I definitely think it helps his chances, and I think I think it makes it very likely that Wayne Gallman is on the roster. And you brought up that it could have happened before the draft. Do you think that? Do you think that that's, that that would be the reason of like why they bring in Wayne Gallman to specifically replace Jeff Wilson's role? Like, that's the guy that they're like, all right, you know, plug and play. You're the new Jeff Wilson in our depth chart. I, I guess. I mean, I think that's definitely possible, but because he was signed before the draft, you obviously don't know who's gonna fall to you in in the draft. Um, I don't know how Shanahan approached his running back board, but I think Sermon was a guy that he really wanted, but. I kind of took it more as Gallman as insurance if you're not able to get a guy like Sermon. Um, I think that they do pretty similar things. They're both that between-the-tackles guy, but um, I mean, it's definitely possible that he makes the roster. I think it's going to be him or or Hasty, but I don't know. I feel like if Gallman makes the roster, it makes it harder to cut him in week seven or eight whenever Wilson comes back when you could just keep Hasty on, on the practice squad, so... I mean, definitely could see that 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 happen, but a lot of things up in the air right now. And he could be awesome during OTAs and 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 training camp, and maybe Gallman beats out Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson sits out the whole year. I don't know. Um, so many things to really see and see how they play in the offense before we really make any decisions like that. <laughs> so then, so then for my final kind of question for you on, on this topic. What do you think the 49ers depth chart is going to stack up and look like come, let's say, not like their true depth chart of, you know, who's out there the first snap, but how how are the touches going to look when we look back on the 21 season? What's like your projection for that? I'll go first with mine. I think Trey Sermon, like I said, I think he's going to get the most touches. I think Raheem Mostert should be expected to get the most touches after that. And then I put Eliza Mitchell and then Wayne Gallman after that with kind of question marks around Jamichael Hasty. And Jeff Wilson now, of course, just because with Hasty, we don't know if there's going to be a lot of improvement. If there's a lot of improvement, then he absolutely could push out Wayne Gallman for that roster spot. But we just don't know. Like we got to see how training camp looks. We got to see what he looks like in the preseason. But what are your what what? How do you break down that that position? I would agree with that. I think including catches and every single touch. I think Sermon will edge out Moster, but I think it'll be pretty close. I think it'll be a one A one B kind of thing, and then a distant third will be Mitchell. And then I think I, I think Hasty is gonna end up making the roster. And honestly, I think Wilson might outtouch Hasty as that fourth guy when he comes back. Obviously four to six months, it's hard to project right now, but it should be the first half of the season. So he he should have most of the season, but I don't if I had to put money down right now, I don't think Gallman makes the roster, but I obviously do not know enough to say that with, with certainty. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of this is going to be figured up out in camp, but I, I think that's going to do it for this kind of Jeff Wilson instant, you know, impact of what, what this injury is going to 
really entail, but we're going to learn a lot more. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. Maybe the injury did not happen at, uh, before the draft and happened after, and maybe they sign another running back. Well, we don't know. Uh, definitely, definitely know that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, they like to have a lot of running backs on the roster. And I think it makes sense. You know, you're, you're going to need guys to produce. You're going to need quality players out there. And with just how much running backs go down, it makes a lot of sense. And kind of good that they got an insurance policy like Wayne Gallman and then drafted two guys. Like looking back on it now, it makes a lot more sense, especially when, you know, your projected number one back before the draft is a guy that hasn't really been on the field much in Raheem Moser. And then your number two guys, Jeff Wilson, who now is going down. So makes a lot more sense kind of looking back on it now, but I think that's going to do it for this segment. So then moving on from Jeff Wilson Jr., we're going to talk about Didi Westbrook and just kind of some rumors around him and the 49ers. Uh, I'll just let you start out, Aiden. What are just your overall thoughts on the 49ers potentially bringing him in? And, and what do you think it means? Little strange. Uh, another former Jaguar. Um, after we signed Marquise Lee, I I feel like they're both very similar players. D. Westbrook went to Oklahoma. I think he played with Baker there, so he's still pretty young. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's obviously the quest to find the number three guy. I don't think anyone's really distanced themselves. But Didi's coming off a torn ACL, which kind of puts him at a different. I guess timeline than everyone else. I don't know how how healthy he is or even when he got injured, but it's it's just the quest to find that number three guy and get some depth. I don't know the 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 fact that they're trying this hard to find the number three guy makes me a little bit hesitant to call Jalen Hurd that that number three guy and to say that he's gonna go out and blow it out of the water. Uh, when we saw him on on the field last in the preseason against the Cowboys, super successful, but. Maybe Kyle and, and, and John know something that, that we don't because they're they are going through every single stone to find a number three guy. And they haven't found one that they loved yet, but I mean I guess the clock's ticking. And and we talked about the wide receiver number three spot a while back, and we brought up that we thought Richie James was the most likely guy to fill that spot. And while I think that on the existing roster, We've seen that the 49ers have, for whatever whatever reason, have been hesitant to really utilize J- Richie James a lot in the past. So it makes sense that they're looking for this wide receiver three so hard. Um, kind of makes you wonder why they didn't go after it in the draft. Maybe, you know, all the guys that they took, they were just like, hey, there's a better guy on the board. We're going to take him, which totally understand, totally get that that mindset. Um, but it is interesting that they didn't address it because it it seems like they're really trying to find a guy. And you brought up Jalen Hurd. I will say, I don't know if this speaks as much to Jalen Hurd as it does Richie James. I think Jalen Hurd is kind of their wild card. I don't think that they should expect much out of him in terms of like, we don't know what he's going to, if he's even going to be on the field. He's rehabbing right now. He didn't participate in spring practices. Um, and there's a lot of guys that didn't participate in the, in the spring OTAs, but he's not there. He's not fully recovered yet. They expect him to be recovered. But we don't know. We don't know if he's gonna ever. We don't know if he's ever gonna play a snap right now. I mean, that's kind of the, the issue with him. Also, I don't think he's that true mold of like a wide receiver three in Kyle's system of what he's done in the past. It it seems to be guys like Taylor Gabriel and stuff like that that really want to take the top off the defense. I think Didi Westbrook is excellent to do that. Um, if you look back at his numbers, he had 700 yards his second year and then 600 the his third year. And he's only been in the league for four years. So he's he's played through his rookie contract. He got injured, unfortunately. I think if he looks good, they probably will sign him. I think that he's it's depending on the ACL, because I think what was it? 
a day ago now since we're recording this. We're recording this on Wednesday. I think it was a, on Tuesday morning when the report came out that they were kind of talking to him. So I, I think that it makes sense. I think that we should definitely expect him to sign at least some wide receiver three. Uh, I thought it was going to be Taylor Gabriel. Then he retired, which kind of shocked me because I was like, really? Like Kyle didn't call you up, say, hey, man, you want you want a job and get you know get 500 yards and a couple touchdowns be in the vertical threat? Um, but I, I think they're going to go after a guy like Didi. And if not, I think Richie James do, is that guy that plays the role there. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. So we'll we'll see what that kind of turns out like. I, I do think that, and then kind of talking about you know them making like a big splash at wide receiver. I don't think they're going to do that. I just I don't think that's really what they're looking for. Like that's why we're seeing them go like through all of these names and sign Marquise Lee for one day, um, doing all that stuff. But I, I think the only way they do that is like if they just feel like. And of course, the guy, main guy is Julio Jones. If you know Julio Jones can be can be traded for at a value that they feel is so much, un, like such a lower value than what he's worth, I think that's when we see that happen. But most likely, it seems like they're going to get one of these low end guys at at wide receiver three, and and just kind of have them be the vertical threat and play a specific role. Not that they're not good at playing that role, but they're they're limited players, and I think that's what they kind of view D.D. Westbrook as. So I'm all for it. I think it makes sense. Very low risk move. Maybe not super high reward, but I, I think you know what you're going to get out of DD as long as the knee's all good. So I definitely like that move. But any other thoughts you have on, on that potential signing? No, uh, I like that you bring Julio because the last time I looked, we're still the betting favor to get him, which I think is very interesting. I've kind of warmed to the idea he has a very ugly contract, but I mean, he's obviously going to make us better for the, the short term. And it probably helps with Lance's development which is something to keep in mind, but obviously just comes down to value, which you definitely talked about. Yeah. So I think that'll probably do it for, for this segment. Um, just real quick, want to do something on DD Westbrook, but let's, let's move on to the final segment of this episode. And of course the name that was always going to hang around the 49ers. I mean, who, okay. Who else would you expect to sign Richard Sherman? And it seems like right now there's two teams, the 49ers and the Seahawks. And we really don't know. I mean, I, I heard that, that, that he was going to go on his podcast and say like, oh yeah, I'm going to sign with whoever he's going to sign with and kind of announce that a couple days ago. Didn't happen. Doesn't mean that it's you know not an option now, but what do you think about them bringing back Richard Sherman? Do you, do you think there's a chance that they do it? And if they do, do you like it? Because I think there's a lot of the 49ers fandom, you know, a lot of people are against it or they're really for it, or they think it's a no-brainer. I, I don't think we have much middle ground, but it seems like a lot of people are either all for it or all against it. So what's your thought on the potential move? Uh, I would say overall I'm for it, though I can see the cons. I think a pro is he's not going to Seattle. Um, obviously would, would rather see that guy on your team than play him twice a year in the division against the team that everybody hates the most. I think he's big for development of Ambry Thomas in in particular. I think we can make the money work. I don't think that I think that he's after however many weeks he's he's been on the free agency um, I guess block. He's 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 got to realize that he's not going he's he's not going to command the contract that he got last time. But I don't know if he starts over Mosley because we want to play more man coverage and he has to be very honest with himself and be like if I'm the third corner, if I play some safety, I gotta be, oh, I gotta be okay with that. And I don't know if Sherm is at a point in his career yet where he's okay with that. But strictly for locker room presence, 
not going to a division rival in the development of two young corners, um, Thomas and Lenore. Um, it's a move I would I would like to see, especially because we got like ten million in in in, in cap space and um, should be super interesting. So yeah, I like that you bring up the development. That's what I'll hit on first. I think that is huge for those guys. Uh, Lenore is like a family friend of Sherman. Ambry Thomas, like both these guys are are big on press man, really physical players, um, similar to kind of the Sherman mold. Not not as big, of course, but and they're definitely better in man coverage, at least with Sherman in his back nine of his career right now. Um, but I I think Sherman, like I, I think it's difficult because you look at it from just locker room presence, that kind of aspect. One of the best guys you can have there. You talk about bringing a guy up like Emmanuel Mosley, who you're saying that you think could would start over him. That's one of the guys that Sherman really mentored, you know, him and Akello. Akello obviously didn't pan out like the Niners wanted him to, but you know, you saw, you could tell that Sherman was a great leader for him and a great mentor. And you saw that, saw that with E-Man as well. I mean, he was the guy that was hyping up E-Man right when he first got on the scene and people were talking, the Niners, I don't know if you remember this, but like, I think it was what week three, week four, when Akello went down, the big question was, are the Niners going to go trade for a corner? And Richard Sherman went out and responded like, no, we have Emmanuel Mosley. He's going to step in. He's going to be that guy. And he was for 2019. Absolutely. Um, I do have to disagree. I definitely think that Sherman would be the, I guess you'd say number two corner, but he'd be one of the starting corners and he'd play on his side. I think that they would still run a lot of zone. I think that it would just be kind of one of those things where maybe he is a, a limited player at this point in his career. You know, he's not the best man on man corner. I think that it would improve a lot from last season and look more like 2019 just because he was battling so many injuries. Um, that's also another aspect of it is he hasn't been super healthy lately. And, and 2019 is 2019 was the only year where he was really fully healthy for the Niners that, that whole season. Um, and, and he did miss, I think one game, but for the most part, he was really healthy, but in the last few years, he hasn't been that healthy. It's been the calf. It's been the Achilles. It's been that same kind of injury nagging. It seems like, so there's a lot of factors that go into this. I think, from a just developing your young corners, I think that's a huge plus that he brings to the table, and, and he's a guy that can really do that and really help those guys turn into you know NFL corners and, and really get how the game works and and just be a coach on the field. I do think it helps him in 2021 as well. I, I think I think it's better if you have Richard Sherman out there than Emmanuel Mosley. Now maybe Sherman doesn't perform in whatever the case is, and he's not able to you know he's just not the same guy anymore but I still think he's going to be better in 2021 than Emmanuel Mosley will be not a knock on Emmanuel Mosley. I think he's a solid player, but Sherman might be limited and, you know, have to play a lot more zone coverage and they're going to have to run that cover three scheme a lot more than they, than they maybe would like to. But at the end of the day, he's still a great corner. He's a extremely smart player. And like having that on your field is going to help. Um, also, we saw him play a little bit of free safety last year. So I like that you brought up that M maybe that's what they're talking about. Um, would be very interesting if they kicked Jimmy Ward down the corner and then had him play free. I would be super intrigued. Don't know if I'm for or against that. Just kind of thought about that right now. But I, I think at the end of the day, I think it makes sense to bring him back, especially if you're keeping him away from Seattle because Seattle's corners aren't anything super special. I mean, they kind of have four nine rejects over there. Um, and, and that's like that's probably their, their thinnest spot on their defense. So if it's like between those two teams, you of course want to beat out your division rival. But – I think you still have to look at like at what costs. I don't think it would be a very expensive deal, but this kind of this kind of reminds me a little bit of when they did sign Sherman in the first place. But now at this point, I think it would be a lot less money involved. I don't know. It's a it's a really interesting deal. It doesn't seem like his market's very big. I mean, 
it's almost June and he hasn't signed. So there's, I think there's a reason for that. Um, but overall, I think I'm a, I'm a little more pro than against it. I'm kind of in the middle. I don't think it's some transcending move, but there's a chance it is. There's a chance that it really helps the defense that much. And so I think it's worth the risk to go and do that. But what, what th- other thoughts you have on that, on that potential move? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that if it happens, I'll be happy, but it, it's not something that I'm pounding on the table for it to happen. I definitely see the, the pros and cons, but I would like to see it happen. But I see why they, they wouldn't. They may even just want to save Jed a little bit of money after he agreed to keep Jimmy on the books for the year. He could potentially be the backup quarterback, making like $25 million a year. So they might throw Jed a bit of a bone um and say hey you can keep this this extra 10 million we may use it when we have somebody go down over the course of the season i think it'll be super interesting and he's a guy who you may even wait until week one to sign you know that he has um familiarity with the system and if he doesn't go to seattle before training camp i don't really see who else is going to sign a guy like sherman who's older hasn't been in the system without um much of a training camp or much of an off season at all, except for the 49ers. So you can almost wait him out a little bit. Um, and I don't know. I feel like he knows that if he comes back to the Niners, his role will be diminished. So he may have a bit of a preference to go somewhere else, somewhere like Seattle where their corners are horrible. He has to beat out a Kella Witherspoon to be a starting corner. I don't, I think he can pull that off, but just, just one of those things. I would rather not see him twice a year. Uh, he's, still probably the smartest corner in the league and probably a nightmare for a rookie quarterback to go against. So would, would rather not have that happen, but would, would be fine with it either way. Yeah, no, I think what makes it so difficult is, you know what you're going to get out of Richard Sherman, the person, the mentor, the leader, all that, but you really don't know what you're going to get out of him on the field. And I think that's what just makes it so difficult. Um, So it's, I think we're kind of in the same boat of just kind of being up in the air. Like if it happens, Sweet, love to see Richard Sherman. Love, you know, love to hear what he has to say a, a lot too. Like, I think he has, he might be one of the most interesting people to listen to his his post game interviews and press conferences and whatnot. He gives very thorough analysis and is always like just a good good conversations are had with Richard Sherman and the reporters. So it's cool to kind of get his insight. Um, love that just for the media side of it. But I think it's a, I think it's a really tough kind of decision that they're gonna have to make of how much, how long as well because you don't want to give him more than two years. And I think ideally you want to sign him for a one-year deal, but he's probably going to, even if his market's really small, someone's probably going to offer him a two-year deal elsewhere. And I think that Seattle would probably do that. Um, so it seems like it'd be hard to figure out if they're able to figure it out or Sherman's able to come back on whatever this discount is. You know, it's not, it's a lower amount of money than he's definitely had in the past. Probably one of the, probably the lowest since he signed his second contract. So it, it, it's a tough case, uh, but anyone listening, please comment what you think about it because I think we're going to get so many different opinions on this. Just like people, like I said, all for it, all against it. I think some people think it's a no-brainer, and I, I do get that side, but I also just don't know what we're going to see on, out of him on the field. And, I mean, you pay guys to perform, and that, that's kind of how it is in the NFL. So it's kind of tough to sign a guy if if you don't think he's – if you think he's a full-on shell of himself, and we don't really know what, where they're at on that, but – I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, And then one more thing I wanted to bring up. I haven't brought this up on the pod before, but I'm a co-founder of Undrafted Sports. Uh, You can check it out. I'll I'll leave the link. Aiden's been with us for a long time, but 
right now we're we're kind of trying to grow our website a lot. We we recently we used to be Worst Take Network. Um, that emerged into Undrafted Sports, so it's relatively new. But we're trying to get on new writers. Um, and honestly, if anyone's interested in doing you know social media kind of stuff like that, but if you're interested, I'll leave the email below and and just reach out and, and contact me about that. But just wanted to bring that up real quick. But I think that's going to do it for today's episode. So thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you all soon.